Welcome to HopeNet Radio, connecting generations to save lives from destructive lifestyles and suicide. Suicide was definitely something that was on my mind a lot. I wanted the pain of life to just stop. My dad is kind of verbally abusive, and he's also a workaholic. When I was hanging around with a bad group, I got raped. I was angry with God for the longest time. A couple weeks ago, my cousin hung himself. I really need to get closer to God. I just slipped so far. HopeNet Radio. It's HopeNet Radio. You can talk with a live spiritual coach anytime at HopeNet360.com. Now, here are the hosts of HopeNet Radio, Jeff and Dave. Hey, welcome to HopeNet Radio, the show where conversations save lives. Jeff, DW with you tonight. So glad you guys have joined us here tonight on the show. Be a part of the conversation with us tonight. We're on Twitter. Use the hashtag HNRTB. Join the HopeNet Radio mm-hmm. tweet back. Be a part of it tweet. with us. We love reading your tweets and your comments as we mm-hmm. go through uh, every mm-hmm. week. It's it's a lot of fun to hear feedback and, and hear what's going on in your life. So join us tonight on that. Uh, I have the what I would consider the grooviest co-host in all of radio, DW, Dave Wager. It's going to be with you again another week. Why, thanks, man. Groovy is a great word, and that's a word we should bring back and use on a regular basis. It rolls off the tongue. Groovy, man. (laughs) 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 Yeah. You guys missed a whole generation of fun conversation. But we're bringing it back. We are. We are. Pretty soon we'll be wearing sunglasses, growing dreadlocks, and playing bongos. Who'd have thunk? We had our yeah. own generation of fun oh. conversation. I mean, you, yeah. how can you beat words like psych and not <laughs> and rad? Gnarly. <laughs> so true. Yeah. Gnarly. Gnarly. I missed that always, one. It makes me think of the old Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yeah. <laughs> you know. I don't. That was actually after me. I didn't yeah, I care about those. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that must have been groovy. And then it makes me think of the old Batman. Yeah, like well, that was my era. Yeah. And then in the big bubble, it'd be like, pow! Yeah. Bam! <laughs> Wham! Bam! Yeah. You know? yeah. yeah. You, ever, you ever look at one of those now and how stupid they look? Oh, it's great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. oh, that's hilarious. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Hey, joining us on the show again this week, we've got Jason, who's the program director at Silver Birch Ranch. Welcome back, man. Yeah, it's good to be back. I missed last week. but Yeah, you missed the most meaningless conversation last week. (laughs) I know, and and that's why I missed it, because, man, I would have loved it. You're the king of meaninglessness. You could have fit right in. (laughs) Yeah, I could have added a lot of comments. Yeah. (laughs) You could have said a whole lot of things that went nowhere. I could have said a whole lot of nothing. (laughs) Yeah. There we go. That would have been fun. No, it's good to be back. Also joining us on the show, Kristen Jane Anderson is back with us this week. Welcome back. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. It's a lot of fun having you. And, and uh, this is the dream team. Tara Kay is back in studio, too. And a and, uh, lot of fun every week. We had, we had a good conversation. It wasn't all meaningless last week. But you'll have to go and catch the podcast at HopeNet360.com. If you missed it last week, we do every single show. Every single show is podcast for you on iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher Radio. You can go and subscribe to it and listen back to every episode. And also check out some of the past shows we've done on human trafficking and uh, what Tara Kay has been doing with Damascus Road Project, uh, as well as Kristen's testimony her story a couple years ago it's been already um, since your first round but it's a lot of fun being able to have more conversation obviously your story is one part of it but you're doing some tremendous things now uh, from that and it's just it's cool to be able to kind of walk the journey with you and anyway tonight on the show we're going to continue our conversation about Ecclesiastes Uh, we were in Ecclesiastes last week and I kind of quip it was the most meaningless conversation last week because we talked about the verse in Ecclesiastes that, you know, meaningless, meaningless, all is meaningless, or vanity, vanity, all is vanity. And uh, we talked about that a lot, and this week we kind of wanted to talk about some more scriptures. And uh, guys, this week, were you able to have some conversations with people just about life and what life is really worth? I did, and it's it's interesting how those who really try and grab only what this life has to offer, they live tragic lives because this life doesn't offer anything. This, this isn't the place we were meant to be permanently. This is a temporary place. And if you look in the Bible, it's even, it's even considered a war zone. Um, I grew up in the Vietnam era, and uh, I don't know any of my friends that fought in Vietnam that basically were, were, were thinking about uh, investing in land over there and starting um, businesses in Vietnam at the time. In fact, it was a war zone. They, they were getting napalmed, and they were getting bombed, and, and everybody wanted to just get home. And when you see how God describes the life that you and I have, 
he describes it as that. It's a war zone. It's a place right now where there's a fight going on. And really, those who adjust properly and enjoy this life do it because they're keeping an eye on what their future is, not just now. And the future is, I get to go home and quit fighting. I get to go home and no longer be a part of that. And, and instead, enjoy the victory that we fought for here. And, um, and really, the book of uh, Ecclesiastes goes through and, and helps us really put things in perspective that way because it, it talks about things that most people today continue to struggle with because they've believed the lies that this world is the only thing that there is. Solomon starts off saying, worthless, worthless is this world if that's all you're living for because he was able to do that. And he says, here's what I've concluded. So I, I, I hope our listeners did what we asked them to. If, if they did, then they read the book of Ecclesiastes through this week. And, uh, and so as we talk about it today, hopefully it'll be a little bit more meaningful to them uh, as we talk about various things that are still meaningless that Satan has pre- presented to us as meaningful. So as you guys have read through the book, one of the interesting things that I, I think stands out to me, and you guys can probably chime in on this too, is whenever we read really anything in the Bible, sometimes it can be hard to pull ourselves out of an American mindset or, or the Western mindset. But the reality is, is Ecclesiastes, this whole book is written not just to Americans, even though, you know, Solomon talks about wealth and prosperity and how he had everything and we think of America, the American dream is to have everything, to have the biggest of anything that we ever could want in our life, be able to do anything we want to at any time, take a vacation or wherever. And it seems like in our American Western mindset, we think, well, we own the world. So in a way, it's like Ecclesiastes is written to Americans, but it's not always the case that this is a, it's a global book, right? Absolutely. You know, and I think it, it goes, it transcends any culture. I mean, it, it's very relevant here in America just because we're so focused on um, the things of this world, you know, more easily than other cultures. But this is just a reminder for anybody around the world, even if they don't have as much as us, you know, I think the principle behind it is that we need to be eternally minded, you know, and that should impact the way that we live here and now. And if we get so focused on the here and now and the things of this world, you know, we're getting focused on the things that are vanity. And, and that's really what, what, the, what, what it's drawing on. And, that, and that's the important thing that we need to remember. I don't think it has anything to do actually with the wealth. I think it's just the conclusions of a wealthy guy. Yeah. Um, because yeah. if you look at, uh, for example, the various verses in, that we're going to even talk about today, um, things like he who loves money will not be satisfied with money. This is Ecclesiastes 5.10. What he's talking about there is those who actually have a love for the money, for whatever culture and the love for however you get paid for your services. Those who actually love it, they're never satisfied with where they're at. And then it goes on, nor he who loves wealth with his income, this is also vanity. Now, let me read the whole verse to you. He who loves money will not be satisfied with money, nor he who loves wealth with his income. This is all vanity. Well, what's being said there is very simple. God created each one of us to fulfill a, a, a job of some sort. Some people will be the head of big companies, and they're going to get paid a lot of money. Some are going to be working at Walmart, and maybe they're not going to get a lot of money, like a CEO for Walmart. But in the long run of things, what God is saying is, you need to be satisfied with how I made you, where I put you, and you will see that it will work out just fine. And if you're not, if you're always thinking that money is going, a little bit more money, a little bit better income, if you're always thinking that's going to make you okay, you're going to be disappointed. That's a waste of life. You need to be extremely satisfied with where you're at. The phrase I have that goes through my head all the time is, I need to work the plan I have while I make a better plan. And in the whole process, be, be satisfied with where I'm at while I continue to make where I'm at a better place, if that makes sense. Well, that's, that's a cool philosophy. I haven't thought of it that way in a while. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Most of us can would agree, you know, those who have acquired wealth or who have, and I'm not saying I'm a wealthy person by any means, but when your drive is revolving around money and, and things and stuff, and you finally get money and things and stuff, you tend to realize it, it doesn't bring you that happiness and that joy that you were looking for initially. And we chase all different things. We think, well, maybe if I get a new car, maybe yeah. if I get a, a new house or this dream house, then you get in the house and you're like, this is boring. You know, like, can we sell? <laughs> you know, can we get into something? Can we move? <laughs> Maybe if I just move to Florida where it's like warm all season long, like all year long, then 
maybe then I'll be happy or maybe I got to go to the Caribbean where it's hot all the time. And, and so you get to thinking like, maybe if I just do something, it's, it's the grass is green on the other side kind of mentality where you're like, well, let's just change it. And, and then you realize it doesn't work that way. It doesn't happen that way. And so then that's kind of where Solomon comes from. He says it's just, it's meaningless, meaningless. It's all meaningless. So join the conversation with us. Be a part of the tweet back right now. Use the hashtag HNRTB on Twitter, and the conversation will continue here on HopeNet Radio. Are you hurting? Stressed out? Need somebody to talk to? Chat with a live spiritual coach anytime at HopeNet360.com. This is HopeNet Radio. Feel free to email the show, hope at hopenet360.com. Now, back to Jeff and Dave. Hey, welcome back to the show. Jeff, DW, Jason, Tara Kay, and Kristen Jane Anderson in studio tonight. It's like the dream team. This is this is phenomenal. I, I, I enjoy every week our conversations that we have on the show, and I enjoy having it with people who are just wise and who have experiences and people that are fun to be with. And you guys are all fun. I enjoy being with you guys, and I hope you guys enjoy being a part of the conversation with us. So glad that you guys have joined us here tonight on the show. Again, Twitter, use the hashtag HNRTV. We kind of closed up last segment in talking about money and those who love money won't be satisfied with money. And so many times, guys, I see people who are consumed by maybe being depressed or being just frustrated with life because they don't have maybe the stuff they wanted to or finances are a struggle for a lot of people. And so many people today, finances in their life is a big, it can be a big stressor for a lot of people. And this verse, this whole book of Ecclesiastes talks about money. And I'm wondering some of your thoughts on money and those who love money and, and all this. This is pretty easy to get caught up in in our society, isn't it? You know, it really is. I mean, it, when you look at it, it, Jesus has been very clear in the New Testament um, talking about uh, you cannot serve money and God. He says that. So the question you might ask really is, what role does money have then? Because if you're serving God, you cannot serve money. Money cannot be what drives you. It can't be the thing that pushes you. It has to be God. If you put it in perspective, the Bible also tells us if you don't work, you don't eat. So we need to be people who understand that we work, but money isn't the reason we work. And, and that's why I think there's, there's so many unhealthy Christians in our country. Because they're not satisfied with the money they have. They love wealth, and they think that it's going to bring them something that it never will. And, and, and Solomon said, well, that's all a waste of, of time. And then we look at Jesus saying, well, you can't have money direct you because then I'm not directing you. Money then becomes your idol, your God, and, and you can't have that because you can't have two things direct you. It's impossible. And it's very interesting when you look at how the church in many ways and, and Christians in many ways have tried to soft soap what Jesus has said and make it acceptable to make money their God and God their God. And and there's no way to do that. And that's why we're miserable people. And we were talking a little bit uh, off the air and I, and I had a conversation recently with a, a friend who who was told as he was considering a job, and it was a job outside of a secular world where he had a job and, and going into ministry, and he said that a lot of his friends at church were telling him that he was going to be irresponsible if he did this because uh, uh, the children and, and taking care of them, that kind of thing. And he came and asked me about it, and, and I asked him to go home and just pray with his wife and talk to his wife about what they were really responsible to do in life. And, and he came back and he said, I'm taking the ministry job. And I said, why? He said, because my responsibility is to love God with all my heart and to, to show the world who he is and to show my kids how to have faith. And the only way I can do that is by taking this other job, not by t- keeping the job that, that gives me the more money. And I, and I thought, good for you. You found out what you're responsible for. And, and you're doing that. And, and so we have to be careful, I think, when we start putting money in a place that it does not belong. It does not belong directing us. It does not belong dictating us. Only God does that. And if we can't even pay our taxes, but but we owe them, then perhaps we ought to go fishing because God will put a coin in a fish's mouth. We can give that to the government. You know, I mean, we need to understand who ultimately provides for us. And it isn't the government. It isn't our workplace. It isn't money that provides for us. It's God that provides for us. And that's not a theory. That's reality. Yeah. Tara, would you say that you're at a point where you're satisfied with money? 
No, I don't know. It's It's been a struggle because I just struggle with, um, you know, there's a lot of Christian financial advisors and I think the the advice that they give is is good. So I'm just kind of trying to balance of how do I be responsible with what God has given me and still trust him and in what he's given me. And I think being satisfied with what you have, I struggle with that too, because I'm satisfied with what I have. But then I think like I kind of go on extremes where you either are satisfied with what you have. And I know like how David put it was a good analogy, but then I stop kind of making goals for myself. It's like, I'm either satisfied with what I have and I don't really have goals or I'm pursuing the goals. And then I end up not being satisfied and forgetting (laughs) about the stuff that I have. So it's just a struggle trying to find a balance between being satisfied yet keep making goals to keep moving forward. That's very good discussion there because that's where where I think a lot of us trip up. Again, the idea of showing the world who God is. So the goals, I think. Hmm. Um, If anyone knows me, I am continually uh, making plans. Jason, you work here with me. Am I always? Always. (laughs) I'm always saying, you know, we need to do something different. We need to do this. I'm always making plans and always have goals. But the goals are there to fulfill the responsibility of showing the world who God is. Yeah. So normally they're bigger than I can do. I mean, if you would look at them, they're bigger than I can accomplish those goals. And, and yet we've made them. Just recently, we have tremendous trouble with Internet up here at camp. Tremendous trouble with it. And, and we needed a, a sizable donation in order to get a tower put up one day and et cetera. And our tech guy came to me and said, boy, we need that. You know, as soon as we can get that, we can start working on it. I said, okay, let's start praying about it. Within two weeks, somebody saw me struggling on the internet and basically said, can't you get that fixed? And I said, it would be nothing that 50,000 wouldn't cure. <laughs> and, and, um, and he looked at me and said, fine, I'll give it to you. And he did. Wow. <laughs> now that's within two weeks. Yeah. And, and you know, the interesting thing is we had plans. We were moving forward. We didn't have any money. We didn't have any, but we had plans. And you know, the other thing with the plans that we were doing, when I turned on the internet, even after I talked to him there, I said to God, thank you for what we do have. In other words, you know, I'm glad that we have what we have, but God, let's make plans for something that's, that's beyond this. And if you want us to have it, it's going to be obviously you that does it. I feel like I've, I've learned this lesson over and over again, probably the hard way, but I just, I feel like in my life as a suicide survivor, I realized that that I learned a lot of my lessons the hard way and that I didn't need to learn all my lessons the hard way, that I needed to learn lessons from other people um, quicker than just always learning them myself the hard way. Hmm. And I feel like I love that that Solomon shares his experience here saying he who loves money will not be satisfied with money because he lived that, he did that. Yeah. And I just feel like we need to trust his experience more. God put it in there for a reason and we can you know, trust that instead of making the mistakes ourselves over and over again, we'd go a lot farther. That is that's so profound. And yet we we spend so much of our life trying to control results. And in this way, I mean, Solomon's like, you know, those who love money won't be satisfied with money. He knows that. He knows mm-hmm. what it was like to chase after wealth and to acquire wealth. And he, then he realized all the all the control and all the, the hands-on work and everything that he put his hands to and then everything else. It was kind of like the kind of like the Michael Jordan thing where we talked about this a, a couple weeks ago. I just I kind of find it humorous, but you can fly across the country, have a dinner over here, go play golf on the other side of the country, and still make more money in a day than he spent. And to me, it's like that's it's so profound. Like what wealth is is like, you know, from that perspective. Like you can't ever spend more than you're making. That's that's weird to me because I think of all the effort and the time that I put in giving and not making money. And then I think, wow, I could be spending my time making more money if I did this. And, and so from, it's a different perspective and you start to focus on the money and, and he's totally right. You're not satisfied with it. And I I think that's, that's the key tonight that there's maybe something else that brings satisfaction in our life than just the earthly stuff that we have, the wealth, the money, the, the prosperity part of it. Greed's an interesting thing. I've never met an American where I've, when I've talked about greed, who says I'm greedy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And yet it's a sin, and we know it is. And if you really look at it, our whole economy is set up on greed. And so we are guilty of greed in our country. We are. And I think we need to be able to say that. And in the process, then we can begin to realize uh, that the grip can let go of us because it's not money that will ever satisfy. It's not money that can buy love. It's not money that can take care of anything that's overly important. If you've got a loved one dying in a hospital today, it's not money that will will bring them back to life. It's God. 
That's it. And eventually we end up at that place in life where we realize it's only God. And money strips us from that, so we have to put it in its rightful place. And it's not in the place of God. When we come back, we're going to talk about why it's better to go into the house of mourning than to go into a house of feasting. So make sure to connect with a live coach right now or anytime you're going through something in life, chat with a live coach right now at HopeNet360.com. The conversation will continue here on HopeNet Radio. We're connecting parents with their teens in real conversations that save lives. HopeNet Radio on Q90FM. This is HopeNet Radio. Connect with us on Facebook and Twitter. Hashtag HNR. Now, back to Jeff and Dave. Hey, welcome back to the show. Glad that you've joined us here tonight on the show. Catch every episode right now on the podcast. Go to HopeNet360.com slash podcast anytime. Catch our past episodes, full episodes, and connect with us on the tweet back as well. We're on Twitter. Use the hashtag HNRTV. So, guys, we've been talking about money. We're going to kind of shift gears a little bit. There's so much in Ecclesiastes that is worth talking about. So much practical stuff in there, and it's one of those books that... I know growing up, like as a as a believer in my teen years, I didn't really read Ecclesiastes a lot. Nobody ever told me to go and read Ecclesiastes. It was like, no, go and read Romans or go and read John or, you know, all these other books. Don't read Revelation because there's so much symbolism. It'll, it'll confuse you and, and all these. And so you get these ideas of what to read and what not to read. And Ecclesiastes, to me, is a really practical book. It we talked about it last week. It seems like a depressing book, but there's so much insight in there because it's it's like you get to the end of your life in a way and you look back and you're like, this is what worked and this is what didn't. And Kristen, you said something profound last segment just talking about how I didn't have to learn things the hard way. I could have just learned from somebody who knew a little bit more than I did at the point in my life. But yet, maybe you didn't know how to find them. Can you talk about that a little bit? I think that I just I felt like I needed to figure it all on my own. I didn't feel like I had – I don't know. Maybe I just didn't trust people enough. Maybe I didn't have the wisdom to, to understand that they already knew better than I did. Um, I didn't have the awareness to realize how relevant the Bible was and how much I could still apply it to my life. I just, I was pretty ignorant. Was one of those people your mom? Yes, yes, definitely my mom. Um, definitely my mom, even my sister. My sister was trying to talk to me about that God had a plan for my life and things like that um, from a very young age because she became a Christian when I was about seven. And I just, I don't know. I just didn't, I just didn't listen. I didn't let it sink in. I didn't, I didn't, I don't know. I just didn't take it seriously. And I really look back on those times and I'm just like, wow, I wonder how things could have been different if I would have, you know, respected her enough or respected myself enough to listen. But isn't that something I think that's pretty common just as a teenager, because you're just trying to figure out who you are and what you want to do that there's just this kind of battle to just try to figure it out all yourself figure everything out yourself so i don't know like even if i would go back i mean for the most part i listened to things that my parents told me but there are a lot of things of course sometimes i wanted to do the exact opposite just because it was my parents that told me that right and then i look back now and i go oh yeah they were right why didn't i just believe with people but i don't know that in those in that moment as a teenager i don't know that i would have i mean it's easy to look back now and go oh i should have listened but i don't i didn't have that mentality i just wanted to figure it out for myself to yeah. try to gain independence and figure out who i was yeah and one of the things one of the verses that's in ecclesiastes ecclesiastes 7 verses 2 and 3 says it's better to go into the house of mourning than to go to the house of feasting for this is the end of all mankind and the living will lay it to heart sorrow is better than laughter for by sadness of face the heart is made glad and we're gonna kind of chat about this because that can be kind of a confusing verse and Guys, I have to be honest and transparent. About a week and a half ago, I lost a really good friend. And uh, it, it was one of those that was it was unexpected. And uh, before we go further, I just want to just give a shout out to Amy and John. And uh, guys, I just want you to know them. Thinking about you, praying for you guys, and uh, standing with you guys. It's been a difficult week. And you just when, when you're faced with death and you're faced with mortality and your life, I mean, I'm looking at myself and I'm 30 and I'm not near a midlife crisis, but... If I was to look at you know my life and say, well, do I have 30 years, 40 years left? What am I going to do in, my, in that next 30, 40, maybe 50 years of my life? What am I going to do with that? And this verse, it just talks about it's better to go in the house of mourning. How do you make sense of this, Dave? I know you've got some experiences. You've got some insight on it. I'd, I'd just love to hear some of your thoughts on this, this passage. You know what? There's no way that you can love somebody and not be in pain. There's no way to do that. When, when somebody leaves you, 
through death. And that's a process that happens to all of us. When somebody leaves you through death, it is a painful experience if you loved. The only way not to experience that is not to love. And that pain is far greater. The loneliness and the, and, and the distant that you have from not loving is so far greater in your life. And there's no answer for it. So I think what Solomon is just saying here is, it is better to go to a house of mourning than feast. You go to a feast, a house where there's a party, it's cool, you know, everything's going on, you got a nice steak, whatever it might be, enjoy yourself. But, but when you love deeply, you will hurt deeply. There is no other way around it. When my dad died, I hurt deeply. And my kids were sick or, or, or somebody I loved is in the hospital, you hurt deeply. Why? Because you love deeply. And there's something precious about that. There, there's so many young people that have come to me when a relative has died, and they'll say, "Just I'm feeling so torn up, and I'm thinking, you know what? I've sat with people whose dads died, and they're saying, good, I'm glad the old man's dead. You didn't do that. Mm-hmm. You're saying, I had a great relationship with my dad. I loved him, and I'm hurting deeply. And I look at him, and I say, enjoy the pain. My goodness, this is a good pain, not a bad pain. And I think that's what Solomon's talking about here. You know, and I think in situations like that, it almost brings in a correct perspective on life, too. You know, and I think it it helps us to refocus at at what is important in life, you know, because you look at different situations, you know, even when you're mourning, and oftentimes the, the thought processes that are going on is, what are the things that are important to me? As you were saying, Dave, what are the things that I, that I love and, and truly care about? And it's in those moments that we truly realize those things. But in contrast to that, when things are all peachy and good, we, we don't necessarily focus on that, you know? And so then we get distracted and, and we give in to these other things, you know? And even as we were just talking about with trying to learn lessons from other people, you know, sometimes our life is so good that when somebody else warns us, say, you know, this might not be the best option, you know, we're not in a place where we're like, well, I don't think you're right. I'm just going to try this on my own. I mean, I can't tell you how many young people I've worked with where I'm like, I'm pleading with them, you know, don't go down this path because it's not worth it. But they think that they know better, mm-hmm. you know, and then they get to the end of the path or something happens in their life where they're they're brought to this new perspective and they're, they're like, man, mm-hmm. you're yeah. right. You know, and yeah. I think there's there's some wisdom in that. Yeah, because people avoid the mourning part of life. Yeah, they they avoid good relationships. For example, let's say Jason, you're married. Let's say you uh, you know one day you're you're so fearful of being separated from your wife someday and your yeah. child that you develop a, a distance from them mm-hmm. because you never want to get hurt. Right. So you build walls, mm-hmm. and 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 now all of a sudden relationships are affected because you're afraid one day of of being one who's sorrowful. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't even say the word, but you know that. The truth of the matter is I'm going to I want to love my wife with everything I've got and when she leaves, I'm going to be a broken man and I'm going to enjoy every broken moment of it. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's it's and that's what Solomon is saying. Mm-hmm. It, it you cannot love deeply and not hurt someday. So when mm-hmm. you hurt, when you honestly hurt, if it's not just for you saying, "Oh no, you know, some would say, oh, no, who's going to cook me breakfast in the morning? I mean, that's not what we're talking about. Right. But when you honestly hurt because of a relationship in your life that is now gone, you are a rich person because you experienced that relationship in the first place. Mm-hmm. And Solomon's just saying it is better to understand that. It is better to understand that there are times of great sorrow because you care than always being the jokester and always having a laugh. Yeah, and the thing about being in a house of mourning rather than to go to a house of partying is you're so you understand when you're when you're dealing with loss and as as I've been in that grieving process in the last week, you you realize how I guess how limited your time really is. Yeah. Versus sure. when you're in a house of partying, like you're thinking you're invincible that life is all before you, everything is good and you have no concern for what's coming ahead. Like we have no idea. And I'm not saying don't party because I think we need to just as as Solomon says, you know, maybe you just eat, drink because tomorrow you're not sure of, of its existence. As we work, as we toil, as we work under the sun that we put our, our hands and our feet and everything we've got into, into life and, and not just for ourselves, but for something that's greater than who we are. And, and realizing when we walk into a house in the morning and, and I know Kristen, you have some stories too of just life and tragedy and everything else. That's part of life. And Dave, I love what you said about love and about having a deep love for someone. You cannot deeply love somebody and then lose them and not feel pain. In that regard, you haven't really loved them, yeah. have you? I mean, that that those things kind of go hand in hand. Losses 
is a part of life, and that's the hard reality. Yeah, and I've seen so many young people, young ladies in particular, who have been hurt in, in relationships, mm-hmm. and they build walls. Because yep. they're saying, I will never allow myself to be hurt like that again. Yep. And when I hear that, I look at them and go, then you will never love. Because you have to allow yourself to be in that position, or you will never understand the beauty of love. Isn't it that saying that goes, better to have loved and lost than mm-hmm. never loved at all? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Join us on the tweet back. We're going to take a break here on the show. We'll be back with the second half of HopeNet Radio. Lots to talk about still, so don't go anywhere. Keep it locked in here on HopeNet Radio. Feel like nobody cares? We do. HopeNet360.com has an online crisis chat line powered by Groundwire. A live coach is available to talk right now at HopeNet360.com. It's HopeNet Radio. You can talk with a live spiritual coach anytime at HopeNet360.com. Now, here are the hosts of HopeNet Radio, Jeff and Dave. Hey, welcome to the second half of HopeNet Radio. Jeff, DW, Jason, Tara Kay, and Chris and Jane Anderson, your hosts tonight on the show, and you're a part of this conversation. Join us on Twitter. We're on the hashtag HNRTB. Share your thoughts. We've been talking about Ecclesiastes. It's a deep book. Lots to talk about. Lots of things we can cover on the show. And we can't get through the entire book verse by verse. Otherwise, we definitely would because there's so much in there that I think is so profound for everyday life. And on this show, what we try to do is really just give you guys perspective, some things to think about this week as you're going through your weeks, and and hopefully give you a hope that lasts beyond what this world is giving you. We understand in, in life there are tragedies, there are things that happen that aren't fair, they're not fun, they're sad, they're depressing sometimes, and whatever season you're in in life, we hope, number one, you have a hope that's an anchor that's beyond this world and what it has to offer, and hopefully you understand where that lies, that it, it, God is the hope of this world, Jesus is the hope of this world, and hopefully tonight we have a conversation that will just challenge your thinking and stretch you a little bit and give you some stuff to think about. So, uh, guys, we kind of closed up a little bit about talking about mourning, and we can go on and on about a lot of different things in that passage uh, in chapter 7, kind of a profound chapter, but I want to jump ahead a little bit to Ecclesiastes 9, and uh, one of the verses, one of the things that, Dave, you you brought this up, actually, uh, chapter 9, verse 11 and 12, talking about how the race is to be won, and I think of the story as I read this verse, we'll read it here in a second, but I think of the tortoise and the hare, and uh, Dave, would you just take some time and just read this passage here in Ecclesiastes? In Ecclesiastes 9, 11 says, again, I saw that under the sun, the race is not to the swift, nor the battle to the strong, nor the bread to the wise, nor riches to the intelligent, nor favor to those with knowledge, but time and chance happen to them all. For man does not know his time, like fish that are taken in an evil net, like birds that are caught in a snare, so the children of man are snared at an evil time when it suddenly falls upon them. This is one of the verses that I literally read every morning for about two years. Because I thought, you know what, in my life it seems like I'm trying to be the swift, the strong, the wise, the intelligent, the knowledgeable. I'm trying to do all of those things so I'm a success. And then there's this phrase right after that says, but time and chance happen to them all. So even if I'm swift and strong and wise and intelligent and knowledgeable, it doesn't ensure anything. So what does ensure something was my question. What is this time and chance thing? As I concluded was the idea that God alone is in charge of the time, because I don't know what tomorrow brings, and he was in charge of the chance and how he sets things up. What a very, very profound verse that I think of our listeners would read every day and just think about. It could change how they pursue life. If you're a young person, think about what you're going to do in life. Are you just going to be chasing the swift and the strong. and the, I mean, what are you going to do? Because time and chance have something to do with that. Yeah, and I think that's so true. You know, even as, you know, being in a stage that is just passing in my life where you're trying to figure out what to do in life, you know, and I think a lot of listeners out there might be, you know, weighing those options. And I think that's a, a truth that transcends every area of our life, especially as we try to plan our future or try to figure out what job to do, you know, even in the realm of, you know, we have options, you know, say there's two jobs out there, you know, one might pay more than the other or, you know, whatever the circumstances are, we can plan our life as much as we want to. But at the end of the day, we need to remember this very truth that God is in control and God has a plan for our life, you know, and so we need to to take steps of faith, knowing that God is leading us and guiding us. Why? Because our goal is to point people towards him. Absolutely. You know, and that's what, at the end of the day, our main focus needs to be. 
is making sure that we are pointing people towards him. If we keep our focus on that, we'll be successful. If we take our focus away from that, that's where we stumble and fall and and, and that sort of thing. And that's when we need to realign and refocus ourselves on that. And what's really cool is God is the God of time and chance. So no matter what happens to me today, if I listened to God today, if that's what my focus was, not all that other stuff, if, if I, by the way, all that other stuff is not said to be bad. Right, right. It's said that, that it's not going to deliver. Right. But if, if I just focused on really God, then he's prepared me today for what happens tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And he's already there. Yeah. So, so he's the God of time. And chance, he's the one that sets up the meetings. Yeah. And that's important to understand. If I'm going to put my, my capital, my energy somewhere, it's going to be knowing God, loving God, walking with God. And and by the way, I could still work at being swift and et cetera. But at my age, I'm telling you, I'm no longer swift. I'm no longer strong. I don't think I'm that smart, actually. I think I'm just experienced. And and the more I learn, the more I think I don't know. So mm-hmm. I, I'm not really in a position where those things are applying to me, it seems, yeah. anymore. Yeah. When I was younger, when I was your age, Jason or Jeff, I think I would say, yeah, I'm really swift and strong. And you know, I'd be working at those. But at my age, I'm going... I didn't achieve any of those things. <laughs> and and yet God continues to use me somehow because the one principle I did grasp was that he's in charge of time and chance. Yeah. And that's what I'm clinging to. I'm not clinging to the other things. And it's almost like the situation that you just talked about in a previous segment, you know, with the Internet situation. You were trusting in, in God's timing, you know, and the fact that he's just in control. You know, like, all right, this is a need. We're going to pursue right. it. And he took care of it in his timing. In his know? time and his chance. I mean, what was the chance of somebody sitting there? I mean, I didn't set that up. Right. I was sitting there, and actually what happened was I was, I was working on, and the guy was sitting with me, and he, he wanted to get on the Internet, and I just couldn't get on it because mm. of our Internet situation. Yeah. And I said, sorry. And he goes, you got to live with that all the time? And I said, yeah. Mm. Yeah. He goes, no, then one thing led to another. But yep. it was like time and chance. Time and chance, exactly. You know, it's like I wasn't in charge of that. You know, and nor could you have planned that. Right. And I was I was faithful being enjoying what we had, yep. but being frustrated by it. In other words, and Tara talked about that earlier. I mean, yeah, we were planning, but we weren't planning in a way where we'd have to go out and do it because we couldn't do it. But yeah. we still planned and said, one day we're going to get a towel, we're going to do this. And, and I had people roll their eyes at me like, right, <laughs> do you know how much that is? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Well, yeah, but that's not my issue. That's my father's issue. And he can actually do that. Hmm. However, he's the one of time and chance, not me, and I could spend forever. Now, yes, we do need people to know how to put it up and that kind of thing, and that's all the other stuff, but it was time and chance that it's going to make it happen. Yeah, Kristen, if you were to read this passage as a young girl kind of before before really your decision uh, to try it in your life, what would this verse mean to you then versus now today when you read this? You know, I think – I wouldn't have made any sense to me then. I, I just I just didn't process like like I need, I was so focused on on my pain and on my you know despair and on my problems. I just it, I would have looked at it and and it would have been really hard for me to process. But if but I think if I would have read it over and over again like Dave said he did, it probably would have started to sink in. And for me right now, um, I'm I'm trying to do that, and I just feel like this whole book of Ecclesiastes has underlined to me that that God is in control, that things happen in his timing, that everything is made beautiful in his time. And like Dave said, everything <laughs> happens at a certain time at different chances. Like we don't really have control over that. It's so helpful to realize that we don't really need to just just chase wisdom or intelligence or being strong or being fast. We need to chase Jesus. Your story, I mean, today, you can't run a race. So when right. you when you when you read this, you're like, well, this this would be kind of an encouragement for you. I mean, because you think in life, you know, now you've got a setback. Really now you've got, yeah. yeah, and and you look at people with other disabilities, and you're thinking, man, does God really love them? Does God really have a plan for their lives? And and so when you read this, I mean, I just, I it jumps out at me like it's the race isn't to the swift, it's not to the strong. I mean, that's in some yeah. ways you you probably yeah. identify with some of those things in your life, and I think every one of us has in some way a deficiency where we're not. We don't. We aren't able to do the things maybe we want to do, uh, or whatever. I can't be an Olympic swimmer. I'll never be a gold medalist like Michael Phelps. I, I just that's not a reality for me. I can I can swim all day long for the next ten years, and I probably won't be as fast as Michael Phelps or some of those other guys. And that's just a reality that I face. And I guess that's maybe not my yeah. It's a limitation. We all have limitations, and at, at the same time, it doesn't mean that we're not able to run the race of life. 
and what's interesting is it, you can you can chase the things that minimize the limitations, or you can chase God, and He arranges it so that the limitations don't limit you. You know what I mean? It's it's like I'm not swift anymore. I'm not strong anymore. Even when it says wiser, it's talking about wise so that you eat bread. You know, it's it's like no, I may not have those things, but what I do have is a heavenly Father who loves me and can provide all those things. So that's where I'm going to spend my time. And then in the process of doing that, the other stuff, the race and the battle and the bread and the riches and the favor are handed to me by God. They're not things that are given to me because of me, but they are there, but they're given to me by my father. Every episode is available on podcast. Go to hopenet360.com slash podcast. The conversation will continue here on HopeNet Radio. If you're going through something tonight, a live coach is waiting to talk to you at HopeNet360.com. This is HopeNet Radio. Feel free to email the show, hope at HopeNet360.com. Now, back to Jeff and Dave. Hey, welcome back to the show. Lively conversation tonight on the Tweetback. Use the hashtag HNRTV. Join us on Twitter. Be part of the conversation as you read through Ecclesiastes. If you've read through it this week, we'd love to hear your thoughts on the show tonight. So, guys, along with the, the Twitter birds... <laughs> we were missing the Twitter birds or last missing. time when Jason wasn't here. I know, I missed that. And, I had to tweet a little bit for him. Tara Kay had to fill in on that. It was a female tweet. It didn't sound all that yeah. great. Did it sound like... Did it sound like peep? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a little bit. Sound a little bit more peepy. If only they had peep birds. Well, they had a little bit of peep. Had a little bit of peepiness so, to it. So it was an unhealthy. Yeah, it was. It was an unhealthy tweet. tweet became a peep. <laughs> everybody, everybody, tweet right now. How many? How many peeps you had for Easter? And then how many of you got sick? Get on Twitter and just tweet us how many peeps you had. <laughs> and how many sick. runs to the emergency room you had as well. Oh, man. I have a confession, guys. In no, the week please. After, I don't want to hear it. I used to. It. No, don't please. Let's get a Jimbe roll. No, bongo. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm not going to confess. Good. Good. Uh, I can't confess. I'm feeling better already. We need right. to have a conversation about this. <laughs> no, let's just pretend everything's you okay. Need to, you need to get that out. <laughs> I think that's what Ecclesiastes says. Just pretend everything's fine. That, that's no hesitation. I can only confess to someone who is older than me, smarter than me, and that knows yeah. more and yeah. loves me, so I can't yeah. do that. Yeah, hesitation 4 7. Just pretend everything's cool, and it is. Hesitations. <laughs> Second hesitations. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> What what are we talking about? You this were show? just <laughs> about to make your confession about peeps. Yes, go on. No, he wasn't. He wasn't. You're you're pressing him in a very bad He's direction. Coming to Unbelievable. the right side. Unbelievable. He'll be misguided. <laughs> He'll be misguided. Everybody I'm, has real bad moments. We don't need to air right. dirty laundry. We all we all stumble at some conversation yeah. save lives. We need. Yeah, we don't Jeff, have to air Jeff dirty needs laundry. Have a conversation. <laughs> You can have it with them off air. You guys can smash peeps and do whatever you want. But no, please, right. please, hey. If you want to hear my confession, go on Twitter right now, and you can see my confession. We'll, we'll right. you know, get it out that there. That makes sense. It's on Twitter. Go and check it out for yourself. Uh-huh. Use the hashtag HNRTB. Follow us. You'll find everything we talk about on the show and a little known confession time. So anyway, tonight on the show, it's it's Ecclesiastes. We're continuing the conversation. Last week, we had the most completely meaningless conversation ever. Go and check it out on the podcast. Uh, do with it what you will. And tonight, we're hopefully having a more meaningful conversation and Ecclesiastes 11, there's a, a great passage for young people, and I may have read it once. It may have been brought up as like a side, I guess, scripture in, in a sermon or a message that I listened to when I was younger, but it's a great refresher. Ecclesiastes 11, 9 and 10 says, young people, it's wonderful to be young. And uh, I just heard like a billion amens right there because it's, it is fun to be young. It is. Enjoy every minute of it. Do everything you want to do. Take it all in. But, and I don't like that word, but. But remember that you must give an account to God for everything you do. So refuse to worry and keep your body healthy. But remember that youth with a whole life before you is meaningless. And profound words. Tara, what are your thoughts on this passage? You know, as you're looking at young people, as you talk with young people and have talked to a lot of young women and maybe older women, too, of of their life. Have you found there's been maybe abuse of living as a young person? Definitely. And I think any any adult can look back and say, I wish I wouldn't have done that when I was younger. Kind of this verse kind of reminded me this would be like 
the YOLO verse of Ecclesiastes or of the Bible because it's saying to enjoy every minute of it. But I think in the way that maybe that term is so commonly used, at the same time, um, it's important to be satisfied with where you are in your life right now. But one thing I don't like about that phrase that's commonly used is that maybe sometimes I think young people think it's important to live your life to the fullest at whatever point in life that you're at, but at the same time, know that you might still make mistakes too, and that God also offers second chances. And I think that's important because we talk about, well, YOLO, you only live once, which is true. So we you should make good decisions. But at the same time, we talked about a little bit about this last week, that sometimes we kind of maybe elevate a situation because we think that maybe a mistake that we made was so unforgivable or that we can never have a second chance. But um, as long as you're alive, that's not true. That is profound. Kristen, any thoughts on that as well? I'm just thinking about YOLO and the way that it's used. I have a 14-year-old and she just talks a lot. She hates the phrase YOLO, honestly, <laughs> because pe- she just sees people abuse it all the time. Like they, they think like they can do whatever they want and there's no consequences. There's no... That's um, it. They can just do whatever they want whenever they want because you only live once. And mm-hmm. and I just feel like there's so, you know, so much wisdom in this verse. Yes, we only live once, but make the best of it. Take it all in. Enjoy every minute of it. You said, I mean, <laughs> consequence. That's the that's the key word there. You can enjoy life, but remember, he says you have it. You have to give an account to God. There's not just a consequence in an earthly realm, but one day we're going to stand before God and we're going to have to give an account, and He's going to look at you and say, "Well, why'd you do this?" And and you're going to. Uh, you know, one of those, like, right. I don't know because I'm selfish. Yeah. And I think it, w- when we think of the, the term YOLO, I think when it's used in common day society, like almost like you were referring to, you know, it's almost in a selfish sense, you know, just go out and do something as, you know, because, you know, I only live once. So if, it, if it's wrong, then, oh, well, you know, I'll be forgiven for it. Whereas I think, you know, if we were to take this verse and, and almost take a twist on YOLO and say, all right, knowing that I only live once why am I afraid to live boldly for God? You know, can I, can I go out there and do things boldly for God and and YOLO in that sense, you know, Mm -hmm. YOLO and and have the sense of courage knowing that, you know what, it is what it is at the end of the day. And I don't necessarily care about what other people think of me because I am responsible for my actions. And so knowing that I'm going to answer God one day, let me just go out there and do whatever I can for him and really care less about what other people think. I don't know. It's it's just a different mindset maybe. YOLO right. yo-yo. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, you ever have a yo-yo? Yes. You, oh, yeah. you go down, you hit it, and it comes right back up and smacks you in the hand. You can yeah. never get that thing to work. Or you walk the dog. Yeah, and, and that's what happens. You, <laughs> you want to live YOLO, it's going to be like a yo-yo. It's going to smack you right in the hand again, And, and I mean, in the worldly sense. And I, yeah. I love what you just said, Jason. It's uh, What's really interesting to me is just an older guy here. Is I'm looking at it going, you're, you're right, man. I enjoyed so many things when I was young, different things that I could do when I'm young that I you know, can't do anymore. I can't play basketball anymore. Yeah. You know I mean? I can't do that. I can't run anymore. I mean, that kind of stuff because of certain ailments that I have. So, you know what? I would enjoy those again. I would love to do those. So if I see a young person, enjoy it. Yeah. I mean, enjoy some of the stuff that youth gives you. Just enjoy it. But there's an interesting phrase that says, uh, so refuse to worry and keep your body healthy. Mm-hmm. You know what it's talking about? It says, but don't forget there's consequences to your actions. Right. Exactly. I mean, you, you can do things right now That'll cause your body to be unhealthy in the future. Yeah. You know, you can do things now that you'd re- regret in the future. And, and I think Kristen has addressed that before. I mean, you can be thinking of something right now and do it and, and say, boy, I wish that didn't happen or I wish I could. No. Instead, enjoy the things that youth offers you because it's a unique period in life. But, but at the same point, realize that there is a tomorrow that you're going to be accountable both to God mm-hmm. and actually your health and your future is is tied into those decisions you're making now. Yeah, and you know, I'll never forget the time I was preaching on a Sunday morning and uh, I had the chance to I was sharing a story and I said something to the effect of, you know, I remember when I was younger, you know, early 20s and the, the grandpa of the church, like the oldest kind of church just busted out laughing <laughs> as I said that line because he's he's thinking, yeah, 20s, okay, when I was younger. I mean, is there any hope for those who may not be younger or feel younger? You know, to be able to enjoy life. Yeah. You know, I think I think you're younger always. I'm younger today than I will be in five years if I'm still alive. Mm-hmm. So I think the advice is, you know, there's things I can do today that maybe five years from now I can't do again. Yeah. And and so I still need to live the same way. It's it, Yes, this is, I think, interpreted correctly to young people. But it's also I, I, I need to enjoy what God gives me today in my life because tomorrow could be different. Remember the God of time and chance there. 
I don't know what tomorrow holds. And that's why I'm loving God. I'm going to enjoy what he gives me today and look forward to tomorrow and be responsible with today. That is so true. And guys, when we come back, I want to talk about really the summary of the entire book of Ecclesiastes. Solomon sums it up, and he says something that's super profound. His conclusion is to fear God and obey his commands. It seems pretty basic. It seems, you know, almost religious. But we're going to talk about this when we come back here on the show. Again, remember, you can chat with a live coach anytime at HopeNet360.com. The conversation will continue here on HopeNet Radio. Love HopeNet Radio? Stay in contact all week long at HopeNet360.com. This is HopeNet Radio. Connect with us on Facebook and Twitter. Hashtag HNR. Now, back to Jeff and Dave. Hey, welcome back to HopeNet Radio, the show where conversations save lives. Wrapping things up tonight, and we're glad that you've joined us here on the show. We've been in Ecclesiastes tonight, and uh, this is a book that it's completely profound. And I just want to also encourage you tonight, you don't have to be rich or wealthy or what I would even consider privileged to understand what Solomon is talking about in this book. I think he's just looking back on his life and saying, look, this is what worked and this is what didn't work. And Kristen, you said it best when you were talking about how sometimes in life we don't have to learn the hard way. You know, we can, we have, whether it's people in our lives or it's even the Word of God. I mean, the Word of God is alive, it's active. There's so much in there that we can glean from and learn from before we hit rock bottom. And I think it's so important, no matter where you are in your life, that it that you can go back to the Word and just consider what God has said and what He's spoken in there, and to take Him at His Word, not make it more complicated than it needs to be, not not make it something that it's not, not make it just a religious thing, but to realize God gave us His Word so that we could have life and have it to the full. And that's exactly why Jesus came as, as the complete image of God. He came in, in in the form of man, and he came to live in this world among us to show us the way, but yet in a way that would allow us to live, to live life to the full and have a complete life. And that's what we're all looking for tonight. So get connected with us. We're on the tweet back right now on Twitter. Use the hashtag HNRTB. And uh, guys, as we're wrapping things up here tonight, this passage in really at the end of Ecclesiastes, chapter 12, gives a summary of the entire thing. Basically, Solomon sums it up in this. He says, here is my final conclusion. After all of his life, he looks back and he says this, fear God and obey his commands, for this is everyone's duty. God will judge us for everything we do, including every secret thing, whether good or bad. And I, I just look back on this and I think, wow, in a way it seems kind of cliche because you look at it and you think, well, what is religion all about? What is Christianity all about? And it's like, well, you're supposed to do good things. You're supposed to, you know, live up to some law or obey a lot of rules and be a part of a church. And you're supposed to go and sing songs to God and this. And maybe that's a primitive form of really what faith is all about, what life is all about in Christ. But I look at this and I think, well, that's a really good way of putting it. I don't know that I could really put it any better. Can you guys? No, you know what's interesting there? As you know, Jeff, I love to make things simple. I'm not that brilliant of a person. I just need it simple so I can grab it. And I can grab this. It says, fear God and obey his commandments. That's what he's learned. And for somebody who's gone through all of his life and can summarize it in a simple sentence and say, here's how you can be successful. Because if I look at people in our in our world today, they're not spending time with God. Fear, it doesn't mean necessarily um, be afraid of him completely, although you should be if you're ignoring him. Uh, but it, it means have a tremendous amount of awe and reverential respect for God and, and to the point where you obey his commandments. And the only way to do that is get to know him. If you're struggling in life, if you again, if you're disappointed with God or you're angry with God or life doesn't make sense, I would say you don't know God. Spend time getting to know him. And when you get to know him, you'll fear him and you'll begin to obey his commandments. And then you'll see that life makes sense. One of the, the great things for me is that God's asked us to do something I can actually do. He didn't go ask me to go conquer the world or jump high enough to get onto the moon or do anything that I can't do. He's asked me to do something I can do. I can fear him and I can obey him. Anybody can. And no matter what their economic bracket, no matter where they live in the world, this is something we could all do. And I'm so thankful for this conclusion because I can do this. And I found that it is actually something that brings meaning to life. You know, it's interesting. It were, they use the word fear, you know, fear God and all this. And, and I like to equate it to some other things that we're afraid of. Every one of us, if we're going to live life, is going to have a, what I would say, a reverential fear or acknowledgement that there are limitations in our life. Gravity, for example, we fear gravity. You know, we understand if we go to a very tall place, 
that if we don't step onto solid ground and we end up, we can end up falling in a way that we will not live anymore. And uh, there, so there are things that we fear in our life. We also fear in some ways political power or even our law enforcement that if we don't obey the laws or whatever, if we decide to steal a candy bar, uh, we could be taken away in handcuffs or whatever. And, and there is, there's punishment for that. And so we see some of these things in our life. There's also um, in nature, you know, if you were to see a, a giant rock coming down the side of a cliff, your natural inclination would be to run away from the path of that, that rock, that boulder that's falling down the cliff, because otherwise it's probably going to crush you. Like there are just some realities that we all know that exist in our life that if we don't follow or we don't live by those boundaries, that we'll end up basically being destroyed, right? Yeah, absolutely. And do you think that's kind of what Solomon is talking about here? Yeah, I do. Absolutely. No doubt that fear is something that comes because of actually what we understand. And the fear is this. The, the way the word is used, it's used 330 times in the Bible. But but the way that it's used, it's used in a way that says, I have this awesome reverence, respect. Even I can shake in my boots over the fact that God is so powerful. But in that sense, knowing that he loves you and will do what's right. Just obey him and you'll be okay because nobody can touch him. What you said was right on. I think, I think that this is, this whole, this whole book is all about learning how to fear God and understand like what we're living for and what our boundaries are and how to live life to its fullest within those boundaries for the purpose that God has for each one of us. And can I ask you personally, how has this perspective, you know, fearing God, obeying his commands, how has that shaped your life now? It shapes the way that I think. It shapes the way that I look at the world, the way that I look at myself, the way that I look at others, and and the way that I spend my time. And I think that's what I've gotten a lot out of this book is just how intentional I'm with my time and in the way that I'm serving the Lord and growing closer to Him. Tara, what are your what are your final thoughts here on this? What does this mean to you? Uh, I don't know. It's meaningless. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think in this passage we're talking about fearing God, I think you can use both meanings of the word fear in this because it's the choice that you make. If you choose to fear God, meaning that you're going to obey him and trust him, and in that sense, you're choosing to fear God, meaning you're choosing to respect him. But on the opposite side is true. If you don't make that choice, then I think you will fear God because it says that everything that you do will be judged. I think in a sense, even people, I'm just, you know, people who don't you know, claim to have faith or I think in some sense, just as God put eternity in everybody's hearts, I think the people still sense that either a being is in control or it's interesting if people maybe don't think that there is a God, but then certain sort situations happen, maybe in the natural or just, you know, a terrorist attack. A lot of people suddenly go, well, either where was God or God help us in mm -hmm. that sense. All of a sudden, they start to believe in God or make reference to God. So I think in a sense, when you choose to fear God, that is the good kind of fear. But when you don't choose to respect God, then you'll have the bad kind of fear of God because he is just like this verse says, everything will be judged. And yeah. then you will, they'll fear God in a sense of oh, I didn't respect God. I didn't have the right kind of fear of God. And that's such our human pride because we get so, like we want to believe that there is omnipotent, there is an omniscient divine being up there, one that has created everything that we see. We have no problem that there is a divine being that knows everything, that sees everything as it were, that it lays bare before him. We want to know that there's a God who is beyond time, that's beyond our circumstances. But yet, whenever this divine being, if you know, if there was a way to know what his requirements would be, we get uncomfortable with his law. We get uncomfortable with the way that he says then that we should live. And and I just want to encourage you tonight. I don't know where you are at in your faith. And we take every single show, we try to give you guys an opportunity to explore faith and to give you an opportunity for those who listen that you're not in the faith, you're not even sure about this whole God thing, you're not sure about this whole faith thing, that it, it might seem nuts or kind of maybe just crazy to you because you're trying to think, you know, in, in a rational sense that I'm, you know, trying to acquire wealth or I'm trying to live a good life and that the reality is, is we have an appointed time where we go beyond this world and we're going we're gonna to face death, we're going to face eternity and I believe there's eternity. I, I would like to believe that there's something better than this world out there uh, because I see so much pain. I want to be in a place where there's no more pain. There's no more death. There's no more, like we talked about, tragedy and things that happen. There's no more evil in the world, terrorist attacks, whatever it is. People that go into schools and just massacre a large number of people for no reason other than their maybe their religious beliefs or ideologies. Uh, I believe there's got to be a place that is a place that is good, a wholeness in itself. 
Um, we don't have disease. We don't have cancer. We don't have any of these things that peril our, our world and, and the people in them. Um, we don't have despair. We don't have tears, sadness. Uh, there's a place that's coming. And so I just I want to encourage you tonight, explore faith. Explore what it means to live in God, not to be afraid of God, but to have a reverence for him and to know that God has given us the tools. He's given us everything we need to have a life that is full, that's abundant, that is complete, and it's complete in him. And so I just want to encourage you with that. If you want to learn more about having faith in Christ, go and chat with the live coach right now at hopenet360.com. Thanks so much for joining us on the show tonight. We're going to be on, on Twitter for a little bit longer. Use the hashtag HNRTB. Go ahead, subscribe to the podcast as well. Go to hopenet360.com slash podcast. Find all the past episodes as well as last week's show, kind of the precursor to this one. And of course, I just I want to encourage you this week. I hope that you find number one that you have a hope. I, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace this week because you trust in him. For all of us here on HopeNet Radio, thanks so much for joining us. We'll see you guys online and next week. Bye.